it goes back to my experience as a kid. I know that the mind is so powerful, judging from my mom's illness and, you know, things that my dad was working through. He wasn't really there when I was a young kid. And so I felt these feelings and I didn't know how to process them. And I knew, I think I intuitively knew there was something out there that could help me live well, but I didn't know what it was. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella, and today I'm joined by Wellness Force creator and host, Mr. Josh Trent. Hey Josh, how are you? Ella, thank you. I'm doing great. Josh, how long have we been talking to one another over the interwebs? Uh, Probably about six months or so, so this is like long time coming. (laughs) I mean, it's about time, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Josh, I'm so pumped to have you on the show. Would you tell everybody who you are and what you do? Yes, I am at my very basal level, a curious wellness enthusiast and coach. I mean, that's really who I am, but I'm also the founder of wellnessforce.com. I'm the host of the Wellness Force radio podcast. I also host a second show in the fitness industry called the Fitness Plus Technology Podcast. And honestly, I just want to empower people to greater wellness and I want to do that through technology and emotion. Well, and that's one of the reasons that we're talking with you because you, I love your story. You said that one of your clients said, hey, you should connect with Ella. And then you and I reached out to one another almost at exactly the same time. And, And I was like, okay, so I know that you're the technology wellness guy, Josh, but what does that mean? And so Josh, what does that mean? Yes. um, A lot of people get caught up on the tech and especially not do a blanket statement, but women in technology aren't always like chocolate and peanut butter. And so when we look at technology and how that affects men and women as a whole, there's a bit of confusion, right? There's people that are wearing wearables. There's people that are using apps, but people aren't really technology focused unless that's their history. That's their background. And so what I like to do is when I talk about wellness and technology with people is we're just looking at these devices as a mirror of mindfulness. It's a way for somebody to keep track of how they're showing up in their life through their data that the, by the way, their body creates this data. So the data is just a representation of their physical, their emotional, their spiritual, and all these things that equate to habits. So wellness technology is a way of tracking habits for the long term. Okay, well, we're going to deep dive into that, guys, with Josh today, but we have so much more to talk about. So we will absolutely get there because I am a complete Luddite when it comes to this sort of thing. And I was talking to Josh, <laughs> you guys, off air, and I was like, Josh, like, I won't, like, I don't even wear a watch most of the time. And, and I'm, I, the idea of putting a fitness tracker on me, it feels like a leash. And so I can't wait to talk to you about that because I want to represent that point of view on the air, and I am not the person to do it. So I have so many questions for you. But before we do that, tell me how you got here. Like, how did you get into the wellness space to begin with, Josh? Yeah, I was a small kid and, and my mom at the time was manic bipolar. So it was pretty intense for me. And so I learned at a really early age, my dad left home when I was four months old. I didn't really have that home base of calmness that represented psychological wow. or, or physiological health, right? So I had to find a way to cope at a young age. And so I found this beautiful drug that a lot of people use. It's called food. Oh, I've and tried I've that. Used this thing. <laughs> yeah, we, we've all done this, right? At some point in our lives. And so for me at this young age, I just didn't have that tool set to really depend on. 
And so I found food. It was a way for me to not feel the feelings that I didn't want to feel. And to no surprise, you know, flash forward to when I'm in my early 20s, I'm 280, 280 pounds. Wow. I'm in a relationship I hate. I'm in a career that I didn't like at all. I was a technician for Mercedes Benz, actually, speaking of technology. And so I'm just at this point in my life where I'm like, I know there's more than this. So I'll never forget this. Ella, I was at a party. I was drinking out of those, you know, those plastic red party cups <laughs> and uh, just kind of using that to numb myself as well. And I slammed the cup down and I was just I had this feeling this lightning bolt came through me and I ran home drunk like three or four miles. I got home, I, I flipped out the computer and I just typed in like, how do I live my life well? How do I be healthy for the long term? How do I lose weight? And I just started learning. And that was my journey over the course of like 18 months, figuring out how I was going to have a life that I knew existed, but I wasn't exactly sure how to get there. Then I sold everything I owned in 2004, moved to Hawaii, started you know hiking, surfing, fishing, working out at a gym there. And the fitness manager came up to me and he was like, hey, I've seen you working out. Have you ever thought about being a trainer? And I was like, what's a trainer? <laughs> I didn't even know what personal <laughs> training was in 2004. And I dove into this career and I thought, oh my God, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. It's something that I'm passionate about. I'm getting through my pain. I'm getting through using fitness as my catalyst. I'm going to help other people do the same thing. And that's what I did for about 10 years, you know, running teams and, you know, coaching 10,000 sessions and helping hundreds of people lose weight. And then really learning at the end of that 10 years, Ella, it's not about fitness it's about wellness. And then I founded Wellness Force in 2010 because wellness and fitness, like wellness is the big umbrella. And as you talk about with your life wheel, you know, fitness is a big part of that. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of the quick and skinny on how I came into wellness and really why I'm so passionate about it now. Yeah, that's one of the things that that helped us gravitate toward one another. I think, Josh, is that you get it like, you know, it's not about kale and squats which is what I, like, <laughs> I mean those are fun pieces but yeah <laughs> like if the mindset's not there and if the intention's not there and if you're not living out your purpose then it doesn't really matter you know if you can run a 5k or squat you know whatever so true um so so that's one of the things that i love about you but we're gonna jump from there from your sort of evolution by the way i have to ask you this hawaii yeah, Oahu. What a beautiful place. I mean, right? especially when you're going away, through a quarter life crisis. Yeah. No lie, man. No <laughs> right. lie. And when yes. when did you come back to the to the stateside? Yeah. So, uh, 2004 Hawaii, 2005 Las Vegas. My first year of personal training in 2005, I was training alcoholics, um, exotic dancers. Like I was thrown to the wolves. And so then after that, in 2006, I came back to San Diego and started working at a bigger chain. All right. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. When in doubt, run to Hawaii. That's actually like, totally. that's a real thing. Okay. So, yeah. so you talk about using technology as a dashboard for healthy living, Josh. And I told you, I confess, like I am yeah. a caveman when it comes to technology. I mean, it took forever for me to even wear um, a watch to time my triathlon workouts. And, and my husband was like, it's a watch, honey. Like, you know, like <laughs> embrace the technology. Um, yeah. So I'm really, really a slow adapter, and I have several, several issues or concerns or um, you know misinformations. Um, and one is I just don't want like I don't want this running electricity on my body that's running all this EMF around me all the time. And I yeah. also don't want to feel like I'm. I, I don't know. I have it feels a little electro electronic leashy to me. And then. I also know that, 
you can improve things that you aren't tracking in some way or another. I really believe in the power of tracking, ironically. And I really believe yeah. that what you measure is what you can improve. And, and it, when you're not measuring and not tracking in some capacity, it makes it super easy to ignore signs or lack of progress or other, other uh, milestones. So, so talk to me a little bit. Make the case for using technology as a dashboard for healthy living. Yeah. So let's lead with the concern, right? So we can get that out of the way. It's this Bluetooth low energy, like a Fitbit or a Jawbone or even like some of these triathlete tracking watches, right? They're, they're having a little bit of low energy Bluetooth put out. So the FCC and the University of Utah did a study on this because a year before in 2014, the New York Times raised all this concern. Because by the way, uh, health concerns and fear, that sells newspapers. And so right now we're living in this age of people having so much that it's hard to make a decision. But if you look at the peer-reviewed science and if you really go to the backlinks and you look at what they've partnered with the FCC on, these Bluetooth low energy waves are so much less harmful than what comes out of our cell phone. Our cell phone in our pocket next to our ear has a hundred times more of the dangerous EMF and RMF that comes out of it than the Bluetooth low energy, by the way, that's out of these Fitbits. So that should make you feel a little bit better, right? Yeah. And you were kind enough to send me that article. So I will share that article in the show notes that just compares um, that compares the radiation or EMF or I'm, I'm sure I'm actually using the wrong the wrong nouns here but compares that to the use of cell phones and so on and so forth because that is something I'm actually pretty passionate about Josh and I've, I've yeah. spent some time trying to create some awareness around and you're saying and I am taking your point and especially after reading this article that you sent me you're saying apples and oranges like not the same thing Absolutely not. Yeah, because when we look at the power that this is why there's so many different things that are going to block the EMF and the RF that comes out of the phone. Now you see these phone cases. Dave Asprey talks about this, right? These phones are so much more detrimental to our cognition and to our general health than a wearable. And so there are people that are just like, I don't want any at all. Like, you know, Ben Greenfield, he has a kill switch in his house and he turns off everything in his house at night because he wants nothing, nothing turned on. I think that's a little bit of a zealous activity myself. Like I'm not worried about that, but to each their own. Now, I mean the benefits, right? So we talked about kind of the fears out there that are pushed to sell newspapers, but the benefits of having your life as a dashboard is just honestly, it's essentially tracking the things that we already know will bring us health. It's our sleep, it's our food and our hydration, it's our exercise, and it's our emotional intelligence. You know, how we're moving throughout the day, are we getting enough breaks? So when we look at these four columns, right? Activity, hydration, sleep, putting that nutrition in the same thing. And then how is our exercise? Like those are the columns that we're able to track on this dashboard in the same way that when you're driving in a car, you look at how fast you're going on the road, right? You don't want to go too fast or too slow. So that's what we're seeing from these wearable tech devices. And that's what these dashboards mean. Okay. And so we'll obviously get into some brass tacks and share some examples with people. So if this is something they're interested in, they can dive into. But talk to me a little bit about how this becomes, you say, a mirror of mindfulness. Like, how so? Yeah. Yeah, because we are under complete and total attack right now. Our days, and I'm sure everybody listening can relate to this, especially if you're a busy parent, your calendar has never been stuffed as full as it is right now, period. And Ella, you're a, a busy mom, right? So you know this. There is a constant onslaught. Gay and Katie Hendricks called this the uh, attack on our senses, and they call it weapons of mass distraction. <laughs> and so we are constantly under attack, and we need 
the same tool that's taking away our mindfulness to actually cut with the other side of the sword and give us more. So we have a phone and that phone can get our, get our attention. It can pull us with notifications that are pinging and whatnot. So the same exact tech that can pull us away from life can actually give us a reminder to walk, a reminder to breathe, a reminder to call somebody we love, a reminder to meditate, a reminder to work out. So the same exact technology can give us greater presence in our life as long as we're proactive and we set it up accordingly. Well, let's get specific because people want to know, like, what are some of the suggestions that you're making here, whether it's a specific technology or whether yeah. it's an app or, or, or several? Talk to us, Josh. What are some of your best practices that you like to share with people? Okay, my life, the biggest probably creator of mindfulness in my life has been meditation. And I know you've probably talked about this a lot on the show. It is the number one thing that, especially for me, like I'm a talker, I'm an A-type, I'm constantly moving and people don't always like my energy, right? But that's okay because I know that I'm coming from a place of calm confidence if I meditate. And so what helps me meditate is the Muse brain sensing headband. Now, this is really interesting because if people have struggled with meditation for a while, this is a band where you can set it up in your phone. It'll remind you to meditate. It'll walk you through how to meditate. It'll give you different strategies. They've partnered with eMindful and it'll allow you to figure out what breathing technique works for you while in your meditation. What style of meditation works for you? Do you need to visualize when you meditate or are you just a person that has trouble sitting for five minutes and breathing? Like this is the technology that gives that mindfulness. And so it allows us to start to go more into this alpha two, alpha two, which you talked to me about the LA brain peak brain Institute, LA, you'll learn about this when you go there. Okay. That is the Holy grail. The flow state, what we're all looking for is that focused attention, that emotional resilience, that focused attention. And so this device allows us to figure out what style of meditation will get me to that alpha two, will get me to that state where I'm calm, I'm confident, I'm focused, but I also am not frenetic. And I think that's the biggest deal. So if you look at my health practices, it's it's using that muse and meditation. Now, the second thing is movement. We all know that like sitting is the new smoking. Like this is not new news. However, who's going to remind you? Who's going to remind you to get up from the desk when you have a massive report or you're working with five contractors? You get to remind yourself. And so what happens with a Fitbit is you can set up like unique individual reminders in the Fitbit and it'll remind you to take a certain number of steps per hour which is really cool. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a little buzz on my wrist and pushed away from the desk. I mean, that's been big for me. So my meditation and my movement are probably the highest too. And I think those can help all of us because look, I mean, we're all dealing with the same pressures. Okay. So I think so many people are now familiar with Fitbit and everybody has a story, either they or someone that they're close to, you know, the Fitbit is the reason that they're walking 10,000 steps a day and so on and so forth. And that, I mean, yeah. I, I have, I confess, I have seen a great deal of success, um, with people using that. I'm less familiar with Muse. So let's go back to that for mm. just a moment. So this is, um, this is like a, um, a headband that you wear. And also, is it also headphones as well, or just a headband? Yeah, what's really cool, I got the pleasure, actually the privilege of meeting the Muse team at CES in Las Vegas. What's and they're CES? coming CES is consumer electronics, kind of like the global meetup for gotcha. all things tech, right? Like everybody's there from Phillips that's to That's weird. Fitbit, I didn't right? get my ticket. Okay, that's weird. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, they probably knew that you weren't like the technology proponent. <laughs> so okay. so with Muse, yes, it's a brain sensing headband. And so what we have, you know, the alpha, beta, and theta waves in our brain, alpha two being the holy grail. 
And so we want to get to alpha two throughout our day as much as we can. But unless we're training Ella, our nervous system, it's pretty hard for us to get there. We go to the gym and we work out so we can have our muscles get toned or we go on a run so we can have our cardiovascular health increase. Same thing applies to our meditation and the synaptic pruning that goes on in our brain. So when we look at what Muse does, it allows us to have guided meditation. It allows us to track when we're done with our session. Hey, how many times did I have a thought that wasn't serving me? Because it'll show you with the data. So going back to your initial question of like, how does this be a mirror of our mindfulness? Well, that's a huge mirror. I mean, if we're meditating over the course of 30 days and in those 30 days, you realize, wow, when I focus on just my breath or when I focus on just my gratitude or when I focus on a certain visualization, that's what actually trains my nervous system. Because what confuses people so much is they're like, okay, well, I know I should meditate, but how do I do it? Like, how do I actually go through it and get walked through it? And so I think that's, that's what Muse does for people. Okay, and how is this different? And and the reason I'm spending time here, Josh, is because I have a lot of questions, but a lot of my listeners have questions too, because we're doing, we're reading and we're hearing, you know, meditation is obviously like quite on trend right now and everybody's talking about it. But also there's a lot of, there's a great deal of data as well as anecdotal evidence that it is an extremely powerful tool to incorporate into your life. And I am not. And so I know many of my listeners are kind of in the same spot. So let me ask you this. Is this, how, how is this so different than just listening to one of the uh, meditation support apps on your phone? It's not different in the sense that you're listening. It's different in the sense that you're able to figure out how you can be the person you want to be based on data. What that means is, yeah, you can equally listen to a meditation on YouTube, by the way, for free. You don't have to buy a device. But when you use the device, you can look at your life from a high level and you can say, okay, this is actually working for me. I feel in my physical body and in my mind and in my heart amazing from doing this. And I'm knowing from the data when I was in that flow state, I'm knowing from the data what actually works for me. So on one hand, right, you have the anecdotal side where, oh, okay, I guess meditation's good and I feel great. On the other side, you have quantitative data and qualitative data that's actually showing you how, how great you're getting at meditating. And you can use that as a way to motivate yourself for later. Because I don't know about you, especially the people that are really passionate about tech, they're using the tech because they know that it's going to elicit some behavior change. And so when we look at the, the meditation part, I mean, it's the same thing. It's, it's We're trying to change our behaviors so we can live life more well. And so if we use a device that's going to give us guideposts along the way and give us that kind of, I guess you could say, coaching on how to be a, a great meditator, that's going to help us so much more than just trying it for a week and throwing our hands up and going, oh, well, I don't even know if this works. Okay. So I'll link to this so that people can check it out for themselves. But tell me, give me one more story, like paint a picture here a little bit of what is it like when you use it? What does it tell you? So let's say you put this, you put the headband on. I love this. We're going deep. This is good. (laughs) And your aluminum hat. (laughs) Yeah. I put the headband on and what it does is that it does a calibration. So you inhale huge, kind of like Mark Devine talks about with box breathing. You inhale, you hold, you breathe out, you clear your space, you close your eyes and you just be. You don't think about anything. You just watch thoughts go like leaves blowing in the wind and you just sit there. It does a quick uh, calibration. It gets your whatever brain state you're at for that day. And then it uses that to judge if you're getting into alpha state or out of it. And then that's how it's actually coaching you through the process. There's four different uh, pieces for coaching. There's an e-mindful course that you can have where it'll take you through guided meditations. It'll take you through visualization meditations. And then afterwards, you'll be able to see, hey, you know what? I did course four 
But I actually have gotten more results with course three because in course three, I was in alpha state for longer. And so that's a way that people can judge like how they're doing through the process based on what their guidance is. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for painting that picture because, you know, we're total neophytes here. So on Totally. I feel like I should sell Muse now. I know. <laughs> I know. By the way, you guys, Josh does right. not work for Muse. I do not work for Muse. Yeah. <laughs> we're just here to share the information. Okay. So Fitbit. A lot of people are familiar with fitness trackers, with the Fitbit, as well as some of the other sort of comparable brands and technologies. But Josh, have you hacked this in any way that, that we should know about? In other words, is there some way that you use your Fitbit that maybe isn't so readily obvious? obvious to we newbies or is there anything we should know? There's a couple things actually. The the first one that comes to mind is how I use it with my clients. So I have a platform, it's called Nudge Coach and it's branded to Wellness Force. It pulls everything from my clients' Fitbits and it gives it to me on a dashboard. That's how my coaching practice is has been created. And so what I do personally is I look at my clients' data, but then in my own life, I use those notifications to move. That's the biggest hack. I think the number one hack about wearables is checking them or having them check you. So having them check you is way more powerful than you being drawn to check them because most wearables, Ella, they go in the kitchen drawer after six months. Mm -hmm. People aren't using these things because A, they're not hacking them correctly or B, there's no human connection to a coach. I mean, what's the motivation to have a wearable if it's just you and the wearable, you're not connecting with other human beings? I think that's the number one hack is setting up things within it so that it can remind you to do the things you promised yourself. That's so smart of you to tie yourself to people's data. Yeah, it's the only way to fly. I mean, the data doesn't lie, right? I don't know how many trainers that might be listening but or, or just coaches in general or even business people. Like what boss of a company doesn't check data on sales? What leader of a team doesn't check data on how the team is showing up? So look, we're, we're the leader and the team of our own life. Like this is who we are. So we get to check our data. We get to check how we're doing and we can set up systems with this new tech so that it can remind us again to do the things that we want to do. Okay. So Tell me about this. You say also, you say in the case for technology and wearables, you say that wellness technology can help us beat decision fatigue. And decision fatigue is a real thing. (laughs) It's a real thing, yeah. (laughs) I am here to prove that on a day-to-day. Dinner is going to make itself because that's not a decision that I have any energy left to make. Okay, (laughs) so talk to me about how wellness technology can help us beat that so-called decision fatigue. Yeah, this is. I love this question and I want to paint the picture of what decision fatigue is and what I've been experiencing in my life and with clients. I think it's really just this deteriorating quality of decisions that are made by us. And it usually happens after a long session of a full day or decision making. So when we look at this decision fatigue, it's like, what is the bandwidth that we all live our life from, which by the way, is genetically individualized, right? We all have different ways we cope with stress. And so how we make our choices is completely in alignment with our decision-making capacity. So if we're getting tired of making decisions at that moment where we're keeping either the promise to ourselves or making a bad decision, oh my gosh, if we can have something to cut down our decisions throughout the day, Well, then we can show up more powerfully in the moments where making the right decision is harder. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I totally know what you mean. So I feel like that's the big part of it. And then there's this second phase. There's there's ego depletion, right? Willpower. Willpower, in my opinion, and from the guests I've had on the show and from the research that I've done, willpower not only is finite, but willpower is completely situation dependent. I mean, if you're having a stressful month in your life, you could gain 20 pounds in a month. 
<laughs> just because your willpower is depleted. So looking at technology, how can it help us increase this bandwidth? It can help us by having us not make so many decisions throughout the day. If we know that we've made promises to ourselves to move at a certain time, and the notification goes off, well, we don't fight it. We don't go back and forth in our head of, oh, am I going to move? Should I move? It's 8 p.m. I told myself I would move. You know what, though? I have a thing coming up tomorrow. No, just like you made the promise. It reminds you there's no decision that has to be made. We only get, Brendan Burchard talks about this, about 150 high quality, high tension decisions throughout the entire day. And so if I'm taking away decisions, then I have more bandwidth to make the ones right that I promised myself. Look at Steve Jobs. Look at some of these really powerful CEOs. They wore the exact same pieces of clothing every day. He always wore that black turtleneck with like those faded jeans, right? So they're taking out the pieces of decisions from their day that, so that they can take that bandwidth and apply it to things that really, really matter. And for us, you know, like our wellness, like our health. So this is right up my alley because I interviewed Gretchen Rubin. I know you're familiar with Gretchen's work as well. And she, I read her book and it was honestly, her book, Better Than Before, was the most powerful book that I read in 2016. And everyone's so probably sick of hearing me talk about it. But what she helped me understand, which really honestly was enormously impactful in my own life, was it's not about willpower and it's not even about goal setting. It's about creating habits and removing yeah. decision making and decision making is the difference between habit and goal. And so instead of making a, de a decision every single day to eat the right thing or to go to the gym or whatever, to create habits where you aren't making a decision every day, you don't make a decision to brush your teeth in the morning. You don't make a decision to buckle up when you get in the car. Um, right. These are habits. And so she actually helped me reframe so much of what I was trying to do and accomplish in my life in, in to habit formation instead of goal setting and willpower dependent things. And so this, I can sincerely appreciate how, how something like a Fitbit, like you describe, would help you create habits instead of putting you in a position to negotiate with yourself 10 times a day. So much because how draining is that? Haven't we all been in these moments where we're trying to figure out, should I do it? Should I not do it? Does it make sense? You know, can I, can I put it this off for five more hours? Like, no, just take away the decision. Just, just make it easier for yourself by keeping the promise, right? Because what happens when we don't keep our promises or at least in my life, I'll speak for myself. A shame spiral occurs. Sure. Uh, you know, a promise is broken then shame spiral, which leads to unhealthier habits, which leads to then rebounding back up to the top. And then how many times can we keep our promises to ourselves? I think that dictates the quality of our life. Well, this is okay. So you're slowly converting me, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming over to the dark side. Um, but here's why I love you. Why I love you is because you aren't just this like hardcore techie guy. Like you really, really, really are balanced. And you've said yourself that emotional intelligence and personal development and holistic wellness trumps yeah any device any day and but what what you've done what i find so interesting is you've literally tried everything i think <laughs> and you mentioned i should say this you did mention the peak brain institute and dr andrew hill uh listeners don't know yet but in next month i'll be popping out to la 
and visiting the Peak Brain Institute. So we're going to come back to this whole this whole meditation and brain mapping, and we're going to come back to all these topics in the near future because I've got lots more to delve into there. But but you've tried so much, including I mean, you went on a meditation retreat. You were silent for how long? Yeah. So I did the, the first part is the, the peak brain LA. So it's neurofeedback and, and neurofeedback is a way of training our synapses to behave in the way that we want them essentially. Right. So it's, I learned when I was with Dr. Hill at peak brain that I have some PTSD in my brain from childhood. Wow. I think I've always kind of operated from that place. I'm not branding that as my story. Right. I'm just aware. I'm just aware that that's there. And so what I've learned to do and why meditation is such a big piece for me is that, look, if I know that I have some some crazy childhood stuff that I'm in the process of still letting go of, why not just use technology to help me? And I think that's, that's really been a big deal for me. Uh, one of the things I've done is a 10 day silent retreat. It's called the Vipassana and it's 2000 years old. It's where you sit for 10 days. 10 you meditate from days. Yeah, I know I, I had the same reaction and part of it, I'm going to be super brutal truth. Cause like you deserve that. And so does everyone listening. When I did it though, there was some ego involved. I was like, okay, yeah. All these people that I respect, they've done this and I think they've gotten great results. Um, Jake Ducey, who I interviewed on the podcast, he did it. He said it was why he wrote his second book. And so I was like, all right, I'm looking for breakthroughs on a consistent basis in my life. Why don't I do the meditation? Why don't I do it? So there was a little bit of ego there. I got my ass kicked. I can't tell you how hard it was to sit for 10 days. By the way, you're not allowed to sweat. You can't work out. There's what? no meat. It's a vegetarian diet only. You meditate from 4.30 in the morning till nine at night. You get walk breaks in this same like dirt pathway in the backyard. It's just ridiculous. Oh However, what I had though, like, and, and I've talked about this on the different shows is like, I was able at certain moments to kind of rise above myself. And I was actually able to step into my observer. You know, that person who's always talking to us in our head and then the one who's actually seeing us talk to the person in our head. Well, I got to be in that person for a moment oh and that filled me with love. I mean, that filled me with presence. That was really powerful. I would honestly would not recommend that somebody does a 10 day right off the bat. I think doing a three day is a lot more powerful and it's a way to step it up. I mean, you wouldn't go do a 500 pound deadlift on your first day of training, right? So I think that a three day is more beneficial. If I did it over again, I would do a three day, but the 10 day, I can't tell you, especially, you know, I feel like you're a high energy person for people that have lots of energy sitting for 10 days and meditating. I can't think of a more challenging thing. Josh, it sounds unbearable. <laughs> It was, it was, I'll tell you what though, it made me more patient and it really cycled me down. Like it got me to a place where when I came back, I was so sensitive. I remember I was in a Vons. I went to Mammoth Lakes for hiking when I was done and I was in a Vons and this lady like bumped her cart into me and I was like so affected. I'm like, are you okay? Like I was so raw and ripped open from, from the experience. Like it was, it was like, I'm intense. Sorry. You, you were in a yeah. store. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I was in a Vons. I was in a grocery store. And oh, so gotcha, what gotcha. I'm, what I'm trying to say is like when I was done with the experience, it broke me down so much and it made me so sensitive that it took me to a place where I was like, okay. Okay, maybe that was a little too much weight that I lifted for my brain. And I get it. Like you test your threshold so that you can come back to center. Um, mm -hmm. I totally get it. But I'm fascinated by this experience. And I know it's a, a bit of a rabbit hole, but yeah. it's it's one I want to I've been dying to ask you about this um, because this is when we very first met one another. You're like, yes, well, I'll be back in touch, but I'm going on a silent retreat for 10 days. And I'm just like, well, we don't have anything <laughs> to talk about because. <laughs> yeah, who is this guy? <laughs> what right. is that? But it sounds I mean. Honestly, Josh, it sounds brutal. 
Yeah, the Vipassana is not for everyone. There are smaller experiences that can lead you to that direction. I would say if you feel drawn to getting clarity, doing a weekend retreat, like doing a two-day or a three-day, I think that's a great start. I think that's the best place to go. Yeah, and that that alone would be a huge challenge, but I get it. That's slightly right. more digestible. How many people listening have trouble not checking their phone for six hours? Have you ever gone throughout your day and not checked your phone for six hours? Like, think about that really and ask yourself, like, look in the mirror and be like, could I go six hours without even looking at my phone? If the answer is no, you might want to think about doing a meditation piece for two or three days. Did anyone crack? Yeah, there were people, there were people that like were crying. There were people that were, um, there was a woman who had to leave and go outside and cry. There were multiple people that would just like leave meditation sessions and then come back later. I mean, everyone's in their own experience. Everyone's always in their own process. So the way that people go through a meditation is the same way they go through life, right? How you show up to, how you show up to one thing, Ella, and I know this is an overstated phrase, but I, I really believe it. Like how we do one thing is how we do everything. Well, and and I can tell you, you'd learn a lot about my character very quickly <laughs> if you put me in a in a ten day retreat of silence. Okay, so I will move on, but I find that utterly fascinating. And Josh, did you get like a T shirt or anything that was like I was completely silent for 10 days and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. No, I just donated to their cause. <laughs> no, no coffee cup, no tattoo. <laughs> I'll make you one. I'll make you one. Okay. So the reason I started asking you about this is because you really have done some really interesting stuff and you've, you've experienced some interesting modalities. And I know there are more and you've done a lot of things from holotropic breathing, ayahuasca. Yeah. I think the intention, uh, the two that come to mind, Um, would be the ayahuasca and the holotropic breathing. When I think about plant medicines and when I think about healing modalities, it's for healing. It's not for fun. I don't believe that in life drugs are a part of like a healthy and, and well lifestyle. However, what I feel about ayahuasca is that the plant medicine has been used by tribes for thousands of years. It's been shown by the MAPS organization to reduce PTSD in, in war veterans. It's been shown to cure depression in less than five sessions. Like we're talking long-term depression here. Josh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. People don't know what it is. Oh, for the ayahuasca, yeah, right? Yeah. So ayahuasca is where you drink the two MAO inhibitors. Basically what that means is there's two plants that are combined from the Amazon and it's basically the bark of a tree. It's boiled into a tea and then you drink the tea. And the whole point of it is that it releases dimethyltryptophan, which is something that our body creates naturally. All living things on this planet have DMT in their bodies. Mm-hmm. But what happens is when you drink the ayahuasca, it releases multitudes of this DMT. And that's when you can have these very introspective, very powerful experiences where you learn a lot about yourself. Um, Did that make sense? It does. It does. And a lot of people just aren't familiar with the term. And I know that you would do ayahuasca and ayahuasca ceremony. You would do it in a very controlled environment, right? Or contained environment. Is that correct? Tell, Tell me about your experience. Yeah. So you do it in a small group. You would want to do it with a shaman or a practitioner who's had, you know, 10 years or more of experience, not something you do at a party house on a weekend. This is like a healing ceremony. You go in with an intention, you write down your intentions. What are you willing to let go of? 
What do you want to be seen? You know, how do you, how do you want to be taught basically from the universe? Now, whether you believe in God, whether you believe in the universe, I don't care what you believe in. There is something out there that we don't understand. Yeah. And we're so not afraid we're, of that. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we're all looking for infinite intelligence, like direction from infinite intelligence. And this is what I tell myself when I'm done meditating. Like, you know, when I'm finished with my meditation, I ask the universe or God or whatever this power is, please give me guideposts and signs throughout my day so that I'm doing the things you want me to do so that I'm on the right path. Path. And I feel like with ayahuasca, you know, drinking this boiled down bark of the tree from the Amazon in a tea, it's something that is not made in a lab. It's something that grows out of the ground and I'm taking it into my body to elevate my consciousness. And I'm looking to elevate my consciousness, not to be a hippie, not to sit around a fire and play a guitar, but because I want to know how I'm showing up in my life and if there's things that are holding me back from helping other people do the same. And this is what you do on your podcast. This is what I do. We're all trying to just be better, right? And so I think that ayahuasca is a great tool for that. And where did you do it? Just curious. I did it in Ojai here in California. Oh, you did. Okay. And then, um, Josh, what sort of experience did you have? Did you have any revelations? Was it cathartic for you? Like what, and I'm not, this is not a show about promoting ayahuasca ceremonies, but I just find these things so utterly, I mean, I can't even take an Advil. So getting, (laughs) (laughs) but I find other people's experiences so fascinating and I'd love to learn from you. So what did this yield for you? really what I felt when I was done and a lot of people have hallucinations and things like that. I didn't. For me, it was more like I felt held. And a lot of times in my life early, I like wanted to be held, but I wasn't able to be held. And so I felt held and it was by a consciousness that I didn't really understand, but I just felt it. Look, we all know about existential emotion, about existential feeling, existential meaning Have you ever talked to someone and you don't know why you like them? You just do. You can't put your finger on something, but it's just there. It's kind of like a sixth sense. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the force that was holding me. I mean, that's, that's what I felt supported by in that space. And I was able to connect with my love for my mom, my love for my dad. A lot of us are carrying things that we're not even aware we're carrying. We don't even know that we don't know. And so we look at the, the wellness wheel you know, emotional intelligence is a massive part of our wheel. And so in these ceremonies, and I'm not promoting ayahuasca to everyone, I think you should only do something like that if you're drawn to it organically, naturally. But for me, it was a reminder that everything's going to be okay. I'm exactly where I need to be in my perfect place to grow exactly in the direction I'm going in and just to trust, just to trust the process. I find that so fascinating. And of course, people use many, many different modalities to get to that place. And of course, as you said, it's whatever you're drawn to and whatever works for you. But a lot of people will not have heard of that before. So it's interesting just to share that with them. And then another thing that we've never talked about on the show before is the holotropic breathing. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. You know, I'll say that the holotropic breathing was almost more intense than the ayahuasca. Really? And, w- and with holotropic breathing, it is just breathing. So we've probably a lot of your audience has heard of Wim Hof and, you know, his work, you know, the ice man, the guy that can hold his breath for like five minutes and all these different things. What we're doing with holotropic breathing, what I went through was a four hour session of hypoxia and hypoxia is essentially hyperventilation, but you do it in a systematic way so that you can tap into that consciousness we talked about with ayahuasca. However, you're not drinking any tea, you're not taking any drug, you're just breathing. It's a way of getting your body into that hypoxic state so that you will achieve that different state of consciousness. I mean, I was like, 
I was crying. I was visualizing when my mom was carried out of my home when I was 10 on a stretcher. Like it was, it was incredibly, and the next day I was just exhausted. I felt like I had gone through a marathon in my brain and it was a way of cleansing and clearing. So whether you're drawn to the smoke and mirrors aspect of this or whether you actually just kind of know that you're carrying around stuff that you want to let go of, holotropic breathing is a good way to do that. Well, and my job is just to sort of uncover these things and peel back the onion a bit and share it with everybody because somebody out there is just like mind blown going, what on earth is LA <laughs> They're probably like, wait, this about? is a technology guy talking about like ayahuasca. What's going That's on right, right now? That's but they right. blend into one another, right? I mean, we're, uh, these are just tools in our wheel. Yep. And all of it's just a part of your journey. And I love exposing yeah. people to all these different methodologies because it will speak to somebody. You just take it and you put it in your pocket for later, or it maybe it resonates with you right now. I don't know. That's not my job. My job is just to bring this information to light so that people can look further into it. What I find so interesting about you, Josh, is that you are just a constant seeker. And I think we can learn a lot from people who are constant seekers because you're out there, as I said, peeling back the onion and then yeah. we get to share it through well you know what happens when you peel back the onion ella you're gonna cry <laughs> okay like this this is when we go through tough times in our life they make us so strong but like it's okay to cry you know and i know you've talked about emotional intelligence on your show like it's okay to cry it's okay to feel yes i'm a masculine man but like i also am committed to my emotions and like feeling those as well well am i gonna cry when i go to the peak brain institute you need to tell me right now I don't think you're going to cry when you go there, <laughs> not unless they give you a tea from an, the Amazon. <laughs> Josh, this is so interesting. And what is super interesting to me, you know, I've been talking about this life balance wheel with everybody. You've seen it, Josh. And the whole concept behind the life balance wheel is just that no one has a perfect wheel, right? And we're not number 10 if we're scoring yeah. ourselves on that wheel. And guys, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you just... um click on the show notes and you can download the PDF. But no one's a perfect 10 in every single spoke on that wheel at any given moment. What I love about talking with people like you is that you sort of help me expand my way of thinking. And also you bring all of these things together. So we literally went from technology to yeah. meditation <laughs> to uh, shrooms. <laughs> <laughs> But it's all in the same, in the same venture of trying to keep growing and keep challenging ourselves and like never settling and keep getting out of our comfort zone. And it, what, what drives you? Like, I know what drives me, what drives yeah. you in this effort? I think it goes back to my experience as a kid. I know that the mind is so powerful judging from my mom's illness and, you know, things that my dad was working through. He wasn't really there when I was a young kid. And so I felt these feelings and I didn't know how to process them. And I knew, I think I intuitively knew there was something out there that could help me live well, but I didn't know what it was. And so I want to give people that info. I want to share that with people that are going through things that I've gone through. And by the way, there's no finish line. So I think we're, I think really what you and I both are doing is trying to give people tools that they can use to live life well. And that's what I do with Wellness Force. Well, keep it up, Josh. Guys, you can find Josh at Wellness Force Podcast and at wellnessforce.com. And Josh, you're doing a couple of fun things right now. I think the show will drop right around the right time for you. So go ahead and tell everybody about your 100th episode because this is fun and I'd love for them to win something. 
Oh, I would love for you guys to win something too. So if you go to wellnessforce.com forward slash 100, that's our 100th episode. We're giving away $2,000 in prizes. One of them is that Muse headband, by the way. Um, we're also giving away a breath tracker from Spire. It's a reminder system to make you breathe when you're stressed out. Go to wellnessforce.com slash 100. You can sign up for all that. It's ending on March 14th though. So make sure you sign up before March 14th. Okay, cool. Um, if what I've said today has, you know, sparked curiosity in you or you're like, who is this Josh guy? Or it's upset you in any way. Like, let me know, <laughs> you know, reach out to me, Josh at wellnessforce.com. Yeah. And Josh, you're doing something that extends beyond March 14th for my listeners, which I really appreciate. And you mentioned the nudge coach app nudge is N U D G E nudge coach app. And you are offering a free two week trial for that for our listeners. Is that right? Tell them how to find that. Yes. So this is just specifically for your audience because because my client who I used on the system reached out to me and told me about your show. I think it's an incredible fit for the type of people that are in your community. And you can go to wellnessforce.com forward slash Ella and you can sign up for a two week trial with me where you'll be interacting with me and my team. And we're going to be guiding you through some of these dashboard pieces that we talked about. I will share that and many of the other resources that we talked about on the show in the show notes with this episode, Josh, when this goes live. So everybody knows how to find that. Josh, thank you so much. This has been so fun. Thanks for having me. Bye. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Don't forget to join our Facebook page and thanks for those phenomenal reviews in iTunes. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.